Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! We've got a great episode for you guys. It's uh, part two of our series on Colonia Dignidaddy. <laughs> I'm not giving up on it! There's something there! It's... no, no. It's a great episode. We have a lot of fun. Uh, it gets a little bummery towards the end, but what episode about Colts doesn't at some yeah. point? Keep your eye on it. <laughs> it gets dark. Uh, but before we get to it, we have some news and reviews. Bow, bow, bow. Of course, we are still promoting our live show. It's happening June 29th at 7.30 p.m. in San Diego, California at the Comedy Palace. Hooray! It's an hour and a half. Some of the best jokes we've ever written, along with some of the most well-researched uh episodes that i think i've ever done in particular it took us like it took me like months to research this shit um it's great i read several books i talked to lawyers who don't like me anymore uh and they were people who prosecuted the evil people and john wayne gacy so Ooh. pretty interesting it's also got one of the longest and fucking best speculation zones in the history of the show and you guys for sure do not want to miss it yeah the it, at one point the crowd of kansas city was like on their feet yelling about it it was great yeah they were against me and then they were like all right you fucking yeah i can see it, I can see it. <laughs> it's a great show we have tickets available for ten dollars uh, now, which is on our website at cultpodcastshow.com slash San Diego or cultpodcastshow.com and then head over to the show's page. You can also get them at the door at for $15 if we have any left uh, day of the show. Yeah, and they are selling out pretty fast, so be sure to get them ahead of time. Yes, and before we get into this episode, we have another five-star review! <laughs> This one comes to us from KSTEF03, and the title is, I am obsessed! Good thing Paige, Mondo, and Andrea haven't started a cult themselves yet, or I might already be in it. Pets and cheese if so, though, please. I've gone through the listening phases of 1, listening to the latest few episodes, 2, listening to all the regular episodes but skipping the older ones with poor sound quality, 3, listening to the older episodes with poor sound quality because I need more cult podcasts, <laughs> 4, listening to all the mini episodes because I need more Paige, Mondo, and Andrea, and Marie. <laughs> Five, listening to all the, all the episodes a second or third time because I still need more cult podcasts. And I still laugh hysterically on re-listens because the hosts have such great charisma, chemistry, and lightning fast humor. Andrea's puns are fire. Aw, thanks. There's a really good one in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate all the work that goes into researching and delivering this podcast. Please keep up the good work. And please come to Ohio. Winky face. There's a lot of people in Ohio, so eventually we do have to go to Ohio. Like, in yeah. general? Yeah. No. no, just, like, that listen to the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people in Ohio, surprisingly. I know, I've dated a handful of them, but, yeah. like, there, there's also a lot of listeners in Ohio. That makes sense. Yeah, there's <laughs> Tin Soldiers, Nixon's coming. No? Neil? No. Okay. Andrea's puns are fire! <laughs> You don't know that song? Tin soldiers and Nixon's coming. We're finally on our own. Neil anyway. Young, in parentheses, Andrea's old. 
Uh, yeah, we've got a great episode for you guys, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. So, hey, why don't you just listen to it? Hurry up and listen to it, okay? Get in here. Get out of here. Go on, on, get to getting. Stop this chit-chattering and get to the episode, guys. <laughs> Hello. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> don't drink the the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! And it is my week again! Yes! Today, yeah, today is the continuation of our uh, series on Colonia Dignidad, which of course is run by Nazis. Uh, If you haven't listened to the episode before this, do that maybe. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I am not in control of your life. You could do what you want, but like, you know, it'll, it'll be helpful. Uh, our sources from the last episode also apply here in this episode. Uh, but also we have an article from the Telegraph, uh, titled what happened in Colonia inside the terrifying Nazi cult that inspired Emma Watson's new film. By the way, Emma Watson has a movie about this cult. If you want to watch it, is it already out? It is already out. It's really, it's kind of hard to find streaming. Um, I believe Netflix has it, but they like have it on and off where like sometimes I've checked and they had it. Sometimes they don't. I do want to watch it, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't like base any research (laughs) off of it because it's a movie. Yeah, the worst part was J.K. Rowling said it's technically a prequel to Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, it, it stars Emma Watson and then Daniel Bruhl, who was in Inglorious Bastards, if you remember, and then a couple other things. Wait, which one is he in Inglorious Bastards? He's the one that I think he's the one that strangles the thought, movie star. Yeah, he's a uh, the the propaganda actor. Yes, the German oh. propaganda sniper. He's creepy. Yeah. That. Yeah. I looked up uh, pictures for Colonia Dignidad today for the website, and I that's what like came up, and I was like, God damn, this, this Nazi looks just like Emma Watson! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm really glad to find out that it's a movie. <laughs> um, we're also working with an article from The Guardian uh, called Excavations at Chile Torture Site Offer New Hope for Relatives of Disappeared. Uh, also, Handel Splat Today which is a German-language newspaper. Uh, So, as you know from last week, we talked about how most Nazis got to South America. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's important to know because that's kind of how the Nazis are going to get there this time, too. But last time we were talking about high-ranking Nazis, basically Hitler's inner circle. Uh, Today, we want to specifically dig into Colonia Dignidad's leader, Paul Schaefer. So, Paul Schaefer was born in Troisdorf, Germany, December 4th, 1921. He joined the Hitler Youth at a young age and then went on to serve as a medic and a corporal in World War II. 
for the Nazis. Like, I, I yeah. don't feel like that needed explanation, but just in case you were wondering. I think most people joined the Hitler Youth at a young age. So, a note on the Hitler Youth. Uh, it was a children's organization, kind of a cross between Boy Scouts and ROTC, where they trained kids to be soldiers in the Nazi army, even giving them their own uniforms, uh, and their uniforms actually look like miniature versions of larger Nazi uniforms. ROTC the Jews. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, Can we? Uh, they were actually designed by Hugo Boss Baby. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I mean, that's accurate, but no, I mean it's not. But yeah, um, I just meant that there's like I figured the Hitler Youth were young, but now I have like the thought process of uh, like older Hitler Youth that are hanging around, just like a like a. Uh, you what's know, they name? all stay young, but I'm the same age. <laughs> third rack, third rack, third rack. <laughs> Um, so hearing that Schaefer was in the Hitler Youth makes a lot of people think that he was too young to have served in the Nazi army during the actual war, but on the contrary, the Hitler Youth started by some reports as early as 1922, uh, and had a name and insignia by 1926. Both of these are prior to Hitler actually ascending to power. Hitler Youth was founded right before Hitler's first coup. So a lot of people don't necessarily, if you're not like a huge World War II buff, you don't necessarily know this. Hitler tried to seize power a bunch. (laughs) Um, But most notably, he had a coup in 1923. So following World War I, Germany was plagued by mass inflation, economic strife. People were poor. People were dying. It was bad. And a lot of people don't know this, but uh, inflation in Germany actually referred to um, an army of red balloons that had stormed about 99 red balloons that stormed the city of... (laughs) Yeah, I've actually got, like, the motto of the Hitler Youth here. Mm It's, Hasu Efasif. I'm singing. No, I'm totally... That's not... So, after World War I, Germany was not in a great place. Uh, they just lost a war. They were super poor. It was bad. And they just broke up with their girlfriends. And they had just broken up with their girlfriends. Real yeah, bad it's place. hard to find a place to live when you just broken up with the rest of Europe. So, I get it. So, uh, at that point, right after the war, because Hitler actually served in World War I, Hitler joined the German Workers' Party, which would later become the Nazi Party. And he quickly rose up the ranks of that party. That was around 1922. Now, now, that's right around when the Hitler Youth supposedly began. In 1923, Hitler was elevated basically to the leader of that party, and he staged a coup in Munich and tried to seize power, but it didn't work, and he was imprisoned, but only for a year. Which, by the way, like, if you are if you have a traitor, imprison them for more than a year, maybe. Please. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I, I have a quick question. Did they, in Germany, did they call them the Hitler Youth, or was that, like, a nickname? That no. We- that, that was their name. Interesting. So, during the year that he was in prison, the Hitler Youth supposedly went underground and disbanded, but they actually didn't. Um, they were basically spreading the word about Hitler, and the book he was writing from prison, Mein Kampf. So there are Hitler youth that predate the Hitler we know as Hitler. Like we, it, they're still the same Hitler youth, but like they've been with their Hitler OGs. Like they've yeah. been there since the beginning. They're hipster youth. They liked his yeah. early work. Exactly. That is actually that's yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and I also can imagine that if you really believe that this person is like, like it's so much easier to get behind the underdog in that way of just yeah. like. 
oh, like, the government's trying to keep him down, but he knows what's right for this country. I'm 16. I know things. That's kind of why <laughs> him being in prison was, a like, kind of a bad move, because being in prison for a year is not that bad as far as, like, what it could be. It created sort of, like, a martyrdom it mentality. It did. Yeah. It basically gave them a reason to be like, the government doesn't like us, but we're on the right. And yeah, he was Germany's Gucci Mane. Yeah. He was like, well, he would have released that hot shit, but they sent him to prison. Just wait till he gets out. He's going to be great. Yeah. I can't wait for this new track with Hitler featuring Cardi B. Yeah, it's it's, it's so hot it's sarin gas hot. <laughs> It'll make you boil from the inside out. I don't know. I mean, sarin kind of. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, God sorry. damn, this track is fire in my ears. Please kill me. Oh, God. <laughs> So, in his stead while he was in prison, both the party and the Hitler Youth made his message known, and when Hitler was released only a year later, they were partially responsible for distributing copies of the manifesto Hitler wrote while in prison, Mein Kampf. Approximately eight years later in 1933, Hitler officially rose to power after being voted in as Chancellor of Germany after his party had seized most of the party seats. So at that point, the Hitler Youth was right by his side, just as they'd been for almost 10 years at that point. Damn. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, the Hitler Youth when he was in power. And I'm like, no, no, no. They were there for a long time. We don't have an exact date for when Paul Schaefer joined the Hitler Youth, but we do know that the Hitler Youth accepted children as young as 10 years old as provisional members, and they became full Hitler Youth members at 14. So Paul Schaefer, if he had joined at 10, that puts him at 1931. That's two years before Hitler's even voted chancellor. And at 14, that's 1935, only two years after. The war hadn't even really started at that point. Uh, And by 18, when he would have joined the army, it was 1939, still the early days of the war. So he served a full tour through World War II. He was a full-blown Nazi, if you want to like. (laughs) He was a dyed-in-the-wool Hitler fan. Let's put it that way. I hate that they call it a party, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A political party. party. There's yeah. no streamers. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are, but they're red with yes. Nazi insignia. And, you know, bonfires, but they're books. It's bad. <laughs> um, following the war, Schaefer set up a home for children, uh, orphan children, and a religious ministry connected to a local church. This wasn't uncommon at the time because the war had caused a lot of kids to be orphans, particularly in Germany. However, after a couple years, rumors that Paul Schaefer was abusing the children in his care led him to be dismissed from the position. So they think that he's being inappropriate with children. And they fired him. That's it. That They didn't pursue it at all legally what the fuck is wrong with germany and their like weird ass punishments to be honest it's probably at the time bigger fish to fry which is terrible and horrifying because there are real victims but i think there was just so much going on that people were like just fire him get rid of it yeah that's uh yeah Okay. It's also, especially with kids, it's really hard. A, it's hard to, like, prove, prove that. Yeah. Like, in a court. And B, like, making children testify can be traumatic. So, a lot of times, that's right. why abusers get away with their abuse. Right. It's it's bad all around. So, in 1959, a few years later, uh, he struck out on his own and opened a charitable organization and orphanage called the Private Social Mission. 
And this is the organization that would become the basis for Colonia Dignidad. He actually had families. It was almost like he was a church leader kind of preaching, but then there was also an orphanage attached. So so he got fired from the orphanage that he founded. No, no, no. He got fired from an orphanage connected to a church. Okay. And, and then, then founded he, his own. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Well, no, it's not all right, but you know what I mean. No, it's, it's extra bad because now there's no fuck. one to fire him. Yeah. Right. So um, he he had a small amount of religious followers that believed his doctrine of strict cultural purity and extremely conservative values. He'd actually borrowed some of this from a revivalist minister in the U.S. at the time, uh, a man named William M. Branham, somebody that Jim Jones has cited as an influence as well. Uh, he taught a strict adherence to the Bible, a woman's duty to obey her husband, and the importance of apocalyptic visions. And he also one time predicted that Los Angeles would sink beneath the ocean. I can only imagine that this is because we have a large concentrations of gays, rock and roll, and Jews. That's All the fair. good shit. I just assume that it's because of the earthquakes that eventually that oh, might be true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, those are, you know. It's also, uh, this is something, because we've covered a number of groups that happened around this time, and this seems to be like the golden age of, uh, what would it be, Puritanism? Just purity? Like this pure form uh. of... Uh, returning to the roots of the Bible, a resurgence and, of conservatism. Yeah, there's a reason for that, and and not it doesn't necessarily apply as much here because it's a different country with different problems. Mm-hmm. But in America, we saw that because everyone came home from the war, had kids, settled down, and oddly enough, those families are pretty good for the economy. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely a push at the time to really emphasize that kind of family values to encourage people to keep getting married and having kids and producing more people who can consume more. It's a thing. I've been really trying, baby, for capitalism. Yeah. I just imagine uh, an Uncle Sam poster and says, I want you to go home and fuck your wife. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's where we get the baby boomers from. <laughs> Instead of pointing at you, he's just pointing into a... <laughs> He's pointing into a circle he makes with his other Somebody hand. Somebody make that. Somebody Photoshop that. He's just doing the, the hand sex symbol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. But that same year, so he'd only had like a year of his new orphanage, uh, where he was accused of sexually abusing two boys by their mother, and he fled West Germany to parts unknown temporarily. Jesus. Yeah. So he got, oh, my God. Well, so I guess he didn't get fired. He just fleed to avoid what, like punishment? He would have probably been put in prison for that one. He was actually going to be charged. Okay. Um, Now, at this point, there's actually multiple different stories about what happened. One of the main accepted ones is that he followed the rat lines to South America, as Mm -hmm. we talked about in the first episode. There's another outlying story that... He ran into the German ambassador to Chile and that he helped him relocate. There's also some debate as to whether or not Colonia Dignidad existed before he got there, where some people are saying that it was a basic farm commune and he arrived to try and be anonymous and then just took it over. I think that's very possible. It's also possible that he just arrived on the land and then created this thing. Um, Regardless, he traveled to Chile 
we don't really know how, um, with a handful of followers, and they arrived on this small plot of land just outside Santiago, Chile, Mm -hmm. and they started a basic farm commune. And so he looked at this plot of farm, and he was like, "Mm, mm, mm, this is good, but you know what it could use? An evil orphanage. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, uh, because that is what he creates. Oh, great. Um, He actually starts having... Now, here's the crazy thing. He's very devoted, as far as his followers go, to racial purity, because he is a Nazi. Yeah. But also, he encourages them to adopt local Chilean orphans. Who are not white. And no one will look for them. Oh, no. They didn't see Chilean people as... uh... People, did they? Yeah, right? Well, so there's some... Beat on that because many of the survivors speak fluent Spanish mm-hmm. and not necessarily German. Some of them do speak German. They seem to have kind of interbred at a certain point. I think initially it was probably he probably was very devoted to like keep it pure and then people stopped having kids because they were like, Hey, we've seen what you're doing to our fucking kids and like <laughs> There were no kids, and so then there was a push to go find more kids. I was just asking because there's this thing that happened in the clan at a certain point in, like, more modern times, where uh, essentially they would start accepting some Mexican people if you could prove that enough of your heritage was a certain percent of Spanish over native. It's just, just this weird thing where, like, sometimes white supremacists will accept Hispanic people uh, but I'm not sure. I don't know if Chilean people count as Hispanic or if they're Latino. I because I yeah. the the other thing to keep in mind too, a lot of that was later. Mm-hmm. Um, that did not happen when they first got there. Okay. When they first got there, they were racial purity, hardcore. We are German. They even built the compound to look German. And the weird thing is, they just made it extra thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All sausage all the time. It's just, yeah, it's just like the little Hansel and Gretel house. (laughs) Yeah. All the buildings had thick thighs and then, like, nicely braided hair. They would wear lederhosen. Oh, fuck yeah. It's a thing. Now, at this point, his other followers moved from Germany to Chile to follow him. Mm. And at this point, I think a lot of people are probably wondering why why would you follow a known pedophile to a completely different country that you've never been to before and i think in part that's because people don't understand what germany was like in the time right after the war because they had no money there was a near constant military presence from other countries Um, many of the cities were left in rubble just literally bombed to the ground Yeah, you also, I mean, you're being treated like shit because uh, most countries in Europe were trashed. And they thought that this whole entire, like, everything that had happened, the sentiment was like, you fucking Germans made this happen. Yeah. So the winning side was also treating the innocent, quote unquote, innocent refugees of Germany as like garbage people there's the other side of it too where for germans who had served in Mm -hmm. the war a lot of them had seen 
in their mind, they had been on top, and now they were on bottom. Yeah. Many of the families that joined Schaefer had at one point served in the army. Um, their children didn't, though, so there are innocent victims here. Like, yeah. you know, this isn't just a... You know, there are people who weren't Nazis who are affected by this, but there are also a lot of Nazis. Yeah. They now, after the war, much like America, had married and had young families. And I think in a lot of cases, they just wanted a better life for their families and at a certain point, it possibly seemed like anything was better than Germany. And so they went to Chile. And in part, a lot of them probably also had some connections in South America for the amount of people that fled there. Also, to be fair, I mean, this didn't, this probably didn't go super into account, but if I had to choose a fun vacation and it was between Chile and Germany, I'm fucking going to Chile, dude. Have you been to Germany, though? It, uh, like, now, it's very cool. Yeah. Yes. They, it's just they have uh, a bunch of hot dogs and beer and apologies. They do. They also have, really, like, oddly enough, really good pizza. Really? Yeah, Austria and Germany have really good pizza. Huh. Weirdly enough. They're really just trying to make up for everything. Oh, for sure. They also have really cool, like, cr- like Christmas markets uh-huh. and, like, some of the stuff that they've rebuilt, they kind of rebuilt in crazy avant-garde ways. Germany's pretty cool these days, and Angela Merkel is pretty legit i mean one of the weird things that happened to a germany though is such a huge percentage of their population died yes that in a way some of the overcrowding that was leading to like not having enough resources for the people that were there Mm -hmm. they they, solved their own problem on accident kind of did they also murdered a bunch of jewish people and then the ones that were left just left so and they took all those people's possessions for the government to have so even after the war was over they essentially had amassed a ton of wealth and redistributed it so that the people that were left had more so like in a way in a horrible way, their plan did work. But that didn't happen until almost the 70s. Yes. Yeah. So this is a lot earlier. This is still a Germany divided. This is still a Germany divided and a Germany under very, rule. very much under rule and reeling from the war. And I think in times of uncertainty like that, I completely understand people fleeing. There was definitely a time during the 2016 election where I was like, Jake, can we move to Canada? Like, it's it happens. It's, you know, I understand them wanting to leave. There's been times where I've lost a match in a video game and I've considered throwing out my PS4. So, I get it. Sure, 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 Losing sure, sure. Losing <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same stakes. <laughs> now, there's also a story allegedly, that before officially moving to Chile, Paul Schaefer requested from the Chilean government that they exempt him from paying taxes and grant him asylum as long as he helped with gaining political intelligence. And we'll talk a lot more about that in episode three. Initially, everything seemed fine at the colony. Uh, It was often referred to as a cult or a group of eccentrics. So what year did he get there? 61. 19 so he wait he didn't get to chile until 1961 we don't know what happened to him between 1959 and 1961 interesting but if we remember from episode one those rat lines could take a while right so it's possible that he had to go through like italy and spain and then somewhere else and then eventually chile yeah, my theory is that he went to Italy and tried pizza and was like, oh, this shit's good. Oh, this is going to be huge in Germany <laughs> I'm someday. I'm going to stay here. 
for a little bit. They use kind of different cheeses and stuff. <laughs> it's really it's pretty damn good. Go have the only thing pizza. I don't like. The only thing I don't like about Germany is that it's impossible to get a, a barber who will give you an undercut there. No, it's really not. <laughs> my my favorite thing was that for years everyone was like, we can't do the Hitler mustache, and then Michael Jordan was like. Yo, what's up? Oh, jeez. <laughs> he debuted it in a Hanes underwear commercial where he's on an airplane, and I was like, everyone was like, is he, does he have the Hitler stash? And he was like, yeah, I'm fucking Michael Jordan. I do whatever I want. It was the want. Charlie Chaplin originally. Yeah. But it's still the Hitler fair. stash. It's not great. The, I mean, this is only slightly interesting to maybe a few people, but the reason Hitler had his stash was because when he was uh, in the war... They told him that for wearing a gas mask, you couldn't have your mustache being a certain length. So a lot of army members trimmed their mustache down to that size. So it was a popular thing. And he did it. And then he saw how it looked on Charlie Chaplin, too, and decided to keep it after he was out of the war because he thought that it was a like an international fashion statement. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. They, you have to have... you you. Originally, you had to have your mustache within regulation to fit inside of your gas mask. Because this is when gas masks were such a huge... Because of mustard gas. Yeah. Yeah. He was injured in the war from mustard gas, too. That's a thing, yeah. Mustard gas, I don't... No one... I'm... I don't know. I'm more of a ketchup person. Yeah, I'm more of a mayonnaise gas and, like, a maybe a Dijon gas if you've got it, but... (laughs) Oh, man. So, as I said, initially, everything seemed kind of okay. They... Call them a cult and eccentrics, but there didn't seem to be any large-scale issues. And remember, this is prior to Jonestown, mm-hmm. prior to Heaven's Gate, prior to Manson. So uh, the idea of, like, a vicious, harmful cult wasn't really around yet. So people just kind of left them be. Um, it was the 1960s, and communes weren't unheard of, and they hadn't really gotten a bad rap yet. There is a researcher in Chile who... Um, he says that Colonia Dignidad began as a utopian experiment. Uh, the residents wore traditional dress, later hosen hats and headscarves, and they were cut off from the outside world, living in a Bavarian-style village. They worked in mills, factories, and farms, even a hospital that the community built that was free to the locals. So, like, if you lived near Colonia Dignidad, you could go to their hospital for free. Interesting. And get all your organs harvested. I mean, I don't have records of that, but... And your children touched. Wow. That for sure. What a a hospital. I just love the thought that somebody had that in a utopia, everyone would wear lederhosen. So, here's what's even crazier. (laughs) Uh, According to the same researcher, uh, Peter Ciavelis, this wasn't so unusual in that part of Chile. Uh, he says that even today there are a number of communities where people still speak German and celebrate German customs. It even looks like Germany, but I mean, it looks like Solvang. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, like Disneyland Germany. Um, Cause this is in the mountains, right? Yes. We, mm-hmm. And Germany is also a mountainous country. Yeah. Different kinds of mountains though. I mean, yeah. cause this one is definitely a little more jungle mountain, but it's still kind of up in the hills. They, and there's a lot of green pastures, very kind of similar, but this is why Colonia Dignidad still exists as a resort, because there's a bunch of other resorts like that. So that's kind of how it flies under the radar, as via Bavaria, because there's a bunch of other Bavarian villages there, and it's considered kind of normal. Hmm. So while living in the commune, followers would confess their sins to Paul Schaefer, and they 
basically describe him as kind of like a Christ-like figure, like a, you know, I am God, basically. Uh, but they referred to him as their permanent uncle, which, <laughs> which means the, the permanent uncle. Oh, so it is, a, okay. Yeah. Most uncles are permanent, I would say. I mean, one would hope, but if you touch your kids, I think that's going to be a temporary uncle, but in this that's case... That's fair. When oh, you man. pull an old Polly Schaefer, as they call it, you got to get out of Dodge. That's so... Why did they not call him the Colonia Dignidaddy? Why is no one using my thing? They do say that he was kind of an unlikely looking messiah because he <laughs> had long gray hair. It's stringy and gross. Oh, gross. But he also had a glass eye mm. because one time when he was younger, he tried to untie his shoes with a fork and pulling on his shoes, I guess he let go of the fork and it. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we call the permanent knot. <laughs> yes. Stays forever. He forked so, his eyes out. So he can not see. <laughs> I just want to I just want to be glad that we've made that joke waited until episode 2. <laughs> I'm sure we all were waiting for the opportunity, and you you just, good job. I'm so proud of you. Also, jumping off ladders doesn't look so bad now, does it? No, what? It's not. What? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, when I read that, I was like, glass eye. I was like, oh, weird, maybe he lost in the war. They're like, no, no, he threw a fork up there as a kid. But that also means that he went through the Hitler youth and the army with a glass eye. How badly did Germany need people? Oh How could he have fired a gun? He has no depth perception. This explains uh, the German translation of A Christmas Story, where <laughs> instead of, instead of a gun, fork your eye yeah. Instead of a gun, he just asks for a fork, and everyone's like, no. Nah. No, never. Is Haven't it... you heard what happened to permanent uncle? Finger foods only. <laughs> oh, my God. That's why they like those tiny little bratwursts. <laughs> Also, uh, don't you need, isn't it better to, to have one eye for sharpshooting because the, you have to close an eye to see you need, through a scope? I'm you, dumb. You I need don't know. both eyes to have better depth perception. You'll eventually lose depth perception with, if you only have one, I think, unless I'm, I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure you immediately lose it. Yeah. yeah, you you don't have depth perception, but in terms well, of like didn't... lining something up, like to shoot straight, wouldn't that be better to just... First of all, I mean, I'm going to go on the record and say he probably didn't have great depth perception at the start if he forked himself in the fucking eye. <laughs> Secondly, I don't know, and that is a good point. That might be fair. We also don't know. I mean, he wasn't a sniper necessarily that no. we know of because he could have just been cannon fodder. So, like, who knows? We have him on the front lines because he creeps everyone out. <laughs> Gun people, get at me. He keeps asking me to call him uncle. Yeah, just put him in the front. He was a medic at one point, so maybe it was mm. largely that. And then they do build a hospital at Colonia Dignidad, so maybe he has some medical abilities. I, oh God, I don't, this is the third time I'm saying something which is recorded forever <laughs> that I'm not sure if it's true and I should Google it. So, if he was still alive, he's dead by now. Yeah, well, he's dead if he's still alive. That's the stupidest thing I've ever fucking said in my whole life. But I, I think, I think at the time there may have been an understanding that if you're a medic, you don't 
sh- get shot. Like, like the other thing too of like when you shoot dogfighters and airplanes, if your plane got shot down and you parachuted out and you were falling down, the rule was you don't shoot them anymore. I feel like that's not a guarantee, but okay. It was. It was. Well, you a, don't aim for them. You don't. Yeah, you don't. Sure, you don't unless try. you're an asshole. <laughs> that was the thing. There's stories of people who would be shooting down uh, enemies, and then uh, friendly fire would bring that pilot down because it was. People in honor. People were like, "You don't do that." So people tried not to shoot medics. They, they didn't. If you were paratrooping in to fight, they would shoot you then for sure. Right, right, right. But if you were in a dog fight and you got, then you lost. They would be like, "All right, he lost. Wait for him to get on the floor. Take him as prisoner." Okay. If, if anyone else ever watches dog fights on the Discovery Channel, uh, it's one of the best shows ever because every episode of anyone World War Two or or like earlier, which most of those people are dead now, but all those men are just like, I mean, it was just a lucky chance. And he was fighting for his life and I was fighting. Like, they're so just like, well, it was war. And they're just like yeah. very forgiving. <laughs> there's, a, there's a really... For a second, I thought you were going to be like, Michael Vick's best work. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what are you watching what is going on if anyone watches the show dogfighting behind the cvs on fifth avenue (laughs) no no, i love this show those show that she's talking about because just a bunch of old dudes who like have a weird respect for everyone they've ever fought unless they were nazis (laughs) but the world war ii ones are really interesting because they're like well, you coming at me and shot my shot. Yeah, <laughs> I shot my shot. I slid into his DMs and said, want to die? <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. Um, anyway, so no red flags until a few years later. So the I color- there were red flags throughout all of it. I mean, Germany was notorious for the red flags. <laughs> at least one red fork. <laughs> 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 That's a spicy meatball. I would go with like okay now poll. If you lost your eye to a fork, do you go glass eye or eye patch? Oh, oh fuck! Modern times, glass eye. Back then, fucking eye patch, dude. Here's what I want. I want a glass eye, but I want the iris to be glitter. So that when so that when I lift my eye patch up, I can start my own raves. Get at me. See, my original thought was I want to make my pupil a tiny fork. That was my initial thought. Secondly, if I'm a Nazi who lost my eye, I'm going eye patch because at that point, I even I know I'm the bad guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I I would go eye patch. I feel like it would just oh, make yeah. me look awesome. And I would like, ev- I feel like I would get more dates. Oh yeah. Like not that I'm looking, but She's like so interesting. Yeah, What's where it's her just like, story? oh, her, the girl with the eye patch. I don't know. Whenever we go out, she only uses spoons. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we're gonna fork on the first date? <laughs> later the colony had been trying to kind of project this image of harmony and inclusive communal vibes um they actually had their own kind of press 
system within the colony, like a propaganda house. Recording and broadcasting videos showing happy residents and celebrations, uh, men dedicated farm work, women and girls embroidering and making butter. No forks. (laughs) But those propaganda efforts were overshadowed by people escaping from the colony and claiming asylum in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How bad does it have to be that you go back to Germany? Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, I'm going to go ahead and say, when I think of inclusiveness, I hardly ever think of the Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird uh, adjective that they picked for that. Well, and here's the crazy thing. Even though the Nazis were a totalitarian regime, they're very, quote unquote, anti-communist. Oh, yeah. Well, because they were fighting Russia. Right. And so this, or the Soviet Union, this like, commune is set up to be an, quote unquote, anti-communist commune, which is stupid. Wow. It's like, the more I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, how? Why? None of this makes sense. No, they're just, they, they are a commune, but they just say they hate communism. Yeah, yeah. That's the stupidest thing. Super dumb. So the first person to escape was a guy named Wolfgang Muller. Um, He fled in 1966 and exposed the atrocities that occurred within the colony. He obtained a German citizenship and then worked at a newspaper, soon becoming an activist in Germany against Colonia Dignidad. And he finally and currently is president of the foundation dedicated to the support of the victims in Chile. So was he someone that started there as a child, I'm assuming? No, I think he was there as an adult, because he left it in 66. So oh, he's left Germany in 66? He left Chile in 66. Okay, okay. Which means that if he got there at 61, he was only there for five years, which means even as a child, in order to flee, he would have been 13, probably older. So I would say he was probably an adult. And at first when he started, like, announcing what they were doing, no one wanted to listen to him because they were so impressed by his cool-ass name. <laughs> Wolfgang? Your, your name is Wolfgang? That's what the fuck? That's actually a fairly common German name. What the fuck? That's so dope. You, have, you, have you ever met no, somebody named Wolf? No. no. Oh, okay. You need to meet more Germans. You, or don't. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you. My family is German, technically, but they all try not to commune together. Because organized Germans freak people out? Probably. <laughs> um, but. Andrea looks suspiciously. Do you know someone named Wolf, Andrea? No, I'm just half German. And so anytime we bring it up, I just feel real bad. Yeah, no, everyone does. I'm not German at all, necessarily. I just have been there and it's cool. But like. Don't you have a permanent uncle named Adolf? Oh, God. Shh. <laughs> um. Now, the following year, another inhabitant of the colony, a, a man named Heinz Kuhn. <laughs> okay, that's a less cool name. Ketchup? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's really got to catch up he's to Wolfgang. Ketchup c- raccoon? <laughs> so he confirmed the allegations that had been made by Mueller and provided more information on the abuses. However, they were rejected. His initial testimony was rejected um, because it was linked to some of the leaders of the colony as they made their kind of changes in the 70s. And a very significant change happens to the colony in the 70s. This will make sense a little bit later. They all get really cool mustaches. Essentially, a lot of people didn't believe him, and then it came out that there was way worse stuff going on later. And then they were like, oh, sorry, we believe you. So it's it's been bad. 
According to the testimony of these two men, uh, members lived together in dormitories. They were allowed very few personal possessions, um, which kind of sounds like a concentration camp. And the, the the images of Colonia Dignidad and some of the dormitories look a lot like concentration camps. It's it's real gross. I understand how, like, how this really is like a dark time for these people. Yeah. But every time I hear the term dormitories, I think of college. It's not that nice. So yeah. I just imagine a bunch of prisoners being like, beer pong at my place! Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not that. It's, no, it's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, Paul Schaefer controlled relationships and controlled who was allowed to marry who. Oh, God. Uh, newborn babies were taken from their mothers and raised by nurses who were known as aunts, aunts and uncles. Um, they weren't allowed to know their parents, and their parents were not supposed to spend time with them. This is oh some of the giver shit. Yes. Um, and one of the survivors that has come out now... He basically eventually found out who his parents were. The children were supposed to be raised not to know who their parents were at all. Did they did they keep like secret records? Kind of. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. And he said that he found out who his parents were because they would visit the nursery slightly longer than other people. Because adults would visit the nursery, but you were supposed to interact and play with all the children so that no one had any specific attachment to a parent. But they knew which kid was theirs? They kind of knew which kid was theirs. Some people knew, some people did not. Okay. Because they were taken immediately. That's really fucked up. It's really messed up. He eventually now is kind of trying to create a relationship with his parents, but there's kind of a disconnect of, like, his parents are the one that brought him there. They willingly gave him up, essentially, to the nurses, where he was abused his entire childhood, and then now he's reconnecting with them. And that's... That's kind of the case with a lot of the survivors, that they are children who were or born in the compound or grew up in the compound who are now adults who are struggling with finding any sort of familial relationship while also going through lifelong trauma. Because people had to escape, I'm assuming A, they're not allowed to leave once they're there, and B... I'm assuming that some of them, or at least most of them, aren't getting word of, as we move more and more into the future, Germany does get better as a country and start to rebuild. So I'm assuming they're not learning about that? No radio, no TV. Men were supposed to work in mills and their manufacturing plants, and women worked in the stables, the kitchens, and the hospital. Um, They... Basically say that because everyone thought it was a charitable organization, no one really paid attention to them. They were just like, oh, they're doing good. You can get treated at the hospital for free. And it really kind of blurred the lines and it allowed them to fly under the radar a lot. Um, Particularly the fact that they would give impoverished Chileans in the surrounding area free medical treatment. um, And they started to receive government subsidies for that. So they were receiving money from the government to basically keep up the commune because it was benefiting the surrounding area at the expense of the people living inside. Um, Heinz Kuhns has said, I can't begin to tell you how hard he made me work. 12 hours straight with nothing but bread or tea. And that's in the fields in the sun. Do you think that's why he invented ketchup? Yeah, probably. (laughs) He didn't, but okay. Um... 
one of the lawyers representing some of the victims have called it a form of slavery. He said that there were dogs that were trained to hunt escapees. Censors oh were hidden. God. Yeah, censors were hidden under rocks and leaves surrounding the property. If you watch Hunting Hitler episode two, no, sorry, season two, episode eight, they show the censors and they actually track them. Um, the fence, as we mentioned, also had sensors. So if you tried to escape through any specific part of the fence, they could track what part of the fence you tried to escape from. It would also shock you, right? Some parts of it were electrified, but for the most part, they were just tracking where you were. Okay. So if you escaped, it was, this is like, it, it is literally escaped slaves. Like this, mm-hmm. these are people who are having to fight to escape. Um, in many cases... I mean, most of it's barbed wire, so if you were able to escape, it usually wasn't without injury. You're also escaping into a fucking foreign country. Rainforest. Yeah. 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 This is also only if you can keep your wits about you long enough to escape, because young people who were not necessarily cooperative were sedated. Oh my god. Routinely. This is... That happened... I was put in a psych ward for like three days once... We can skip over this if it gets weird, but um, they did that with people when people were making legitimate complaints about their situation. So mm-hmm. there was someone when I was there who couldn't sleep because the woman next to her was screaming mm-hmm. and she was having panic attacks because she thought that the woman was going to attack her. Right. So instead of resituating her, they just heavily sedated her to a point where she could not function. And it's so incredibly scary to think about that you can just sedate someone and take away their will. Remember, they had a hospital, so they had access to all of this. With government subsidies, too. With government subsidies. Um, The stories of abuse that have come out after the fact are horrifying. Um, All of the documentaries go through a number of them. Uh, it, It is very triggering and very upsetting. So if you choose to watch them, just heads up. It is upsetting they range from inappropriate touching to schaefer sterilizing girls by inserting cattle prods oh my god into their genitals uh he was also accused many times of sedating the younger boys so that he could rape them one of the main survivors who has spoken out basically claims to have been sedated many 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 times over the years and he has no recollection really of what happened but he knows essentially what happened why okay this is a weird question but like why would he want to sterilize girls if his overall goal is to create this like perfect aryan society quote unquote because not everyone is perfect and if you stop the people who aren't perfect from having children so is his plan to is that why they were adopting these orphan kids is so they could sterilize them and abuse them in some cases yeah um they actually serve kind of a different purpose because the colony grows. And in order to keep it running, they needed more people to work. So they hired baby slaves. They didn't hire anybody. Or, sorry, adopted, <laughs> quote-unquote. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I mean, just as a rule of thumb, you hardly ever hire slaves. Yeah. They didn't send in their tiny little resumes. And I'm just really impressed that someone with only one eye could pull off this level of surveillance, honestly, because... (laughs) I mean, they did have more cameras than most army bases at the time, and that's American army bases. They were hardcore. That's part of why hunting Hitler goes there on the show, because they're like, yeah, Hitler could have 100% hidden out here, 
no one would know. We don't have proof that he did, but holy shit, this place is nuts. So, because of their relationship with the government and an exterior that looked like a pleasant farm community with a hospital benefiting the local area, the repeated allegations were dismissed. And in many cases, they had nowhere to give these allegations. They couldn't get out. They couldn't talk to anybody. They couldn't... Your only hope was to truly escape and go back to Germany. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't do that, or if you didn't know that was a possibility, I mean, imagine if you were born in the colony. You might not even know that that's a possibility for you. So because of that, it continued on as normal until 1973. In the early 70s, America was in the middle of a war on communism, just in general, and the U.S. sought to depose communist strongholds around the world. They considered Chile's Salvador Allende to be a serious threat, and so the U.S. backed a coup led by Augusto Pinochet. The support of the United States was crucial to the coup and the consolidation of Pinochet's power afterwards. Pinochet, by the way, is uh, Spanish for penis shade. Yeah. Just so you guys know. Cool, 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 cool. Following Pinochet... <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. He threw a cool, 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 cool. Following his rise to power, Pinochet persecuted leftists, socialists, and political critics, resulting in the executions from anywhere of 1,000 to 3,500 people. Um, and he interned as many as 80,000 people and tortured tens of thousands of people. According to the Chilean government, the number of executions and forced disappearances is at least 3,095, but likely more. Is this the Desparecidos era? The Despacito era? No, the disappeared people. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant that hot song, Despacito. No, no. Th- yeah. it is, is this the, the di- Bieber era? This is people have disappeared. Yeah, forced disappearances and murders. And if you want to imprison and torture literal thousands of political prisoners, people don't take kindly to that. You have to do it in secret. So Pinochet found his ideal secret torture camp in the form of Colonia Dignidad. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Jesus. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, is he? And uh, we might be getting into this next episode, but yes. is, is he taking over Paul Schaefer's thing, or is this like a collab, like the it's world's a, worst a, collab? It's the world's worst collab. Oh my god. DJ Khaled, <laughs> because now Schaefer's in a position where he has complete lack of government oversight, and he gets to abuse people. Jesus Christ! It's, for him, it's the best of both worlds. Nazis part two, Paul Schaefer featuring, uh, what was that guy's, what's this guy's Pinochet? name? Pinochet? 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 Yeah. yeah. Nazis part two, Penis Shade featuring Paul Schaefer. <laughs> penis Shade featuring the permanent uncle. uncle. <laughs> One-eyed uncle. Yeah. <laughs> One-eyed <laughs> uncle sounds like a term for a bad penis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's definitely Jesus. touching people it shouldn't. Penis shade, by the way, I, what I was trying to I was trying to insult him by calling him a foreskin. Not that having a foreskin is an insult, but I think being a foreskin would be. See, I was thinking of the shade that a penis would cast. Oh, but maybe I'm. No, I'm he probably wrong. doesn't cast very much of a penis shade. This fucking angry little goober. 
God damn. When you said penis shade, all I could imagine is a penis, but the head is so big that it creates shade. Like, like an a umbrella literal like, like a yeah. sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> or like those lizards that can inflate their necks, but it's a dick. How have you never seen Jurassic Park? But you know about the, the Velociraptor. Lizard. You know lizards. about the lizard. I like dinosaurs. Oh, oh my then why God. Because it's scary no it's really good when it came out i was a child and i had a nightmare every night that a t-rex was going to chase down my family and kill all of us so my mom was like you can't see this movie this is true it was it did come out when we were children uh and i do remember a comic strip at the time because there had never really been a movie like it Mm -hmm. and there was a comic strip in one of our local newspapers that had um a mom and a child at like a movie theater and the child was pointing at the Jurassic Park park poster going, mommy, mommy, Barney. And the mom going, no, honey. And it was, it was basically this thing of like, don't take your kids to Jurassic Park. I saw Jurassic Park not long after it came out. My best friend and I went to go hang out at her dad's house after school and he was like, hey, I'll order pizza. You guys can rent whatever movie you want. And we were like, Jurassic Park. And then we ate pizza and just were scared shitless in her kitchen until my mom picked me up later. But it's a great <laughs> movie. It was one of the, like, we were scared. But then immediately after was like, that's one of the fucking best movies we've ever seen. The funniest part is being scared by Jurassic Park. I can see why you hid in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, That is yeah, where yeah, scared yeah. people hide in Jurassic Park. For sure, for sure. I, uh, so the when I saw Jurassic Park, there was two movies that got really fucked up by Blockbuster for me as a child, and one of them was the Jurassic Park franchise, where, uh, we rented, my mom had rented us Jurassic Park, but somebody had accidentally returned Jurassic Park 3 inside of the Jurassic, so we saw, she was like, oh, we'll watch it. But 3 is terrible. I mean, 2 is also terrible. So my first impression of Jurassic Park was Jurassic Park 3 as a child, and then somebody showed, they were like, oh, do you want to watch Jurassic Park? And in my mind, I thought that was... Yeah, yeah. So I saw Jurassic Park 1, like, as a high schooler, I think, like, mad later, and I was like, this movie's fucking awesome! Yeah, the first, the Jurassic Park, the first one is fucking great yeah. and subsequent sequels have not lived up to the hype the other uh the other movie that blockbuster fucked up for me was uh amadeus i don't know if you guys yeah the mozart amadeus. movie yeah amadeus, that's a amadeus. weird fucking movie it's amadeus. a good movie so what happened is it was one of those movies that was uh for whatever reason it had the dvd two had parts. two two discs yeah so my mom Somebody had to return them out of order, so my mom played the second disc first. Oh, no. So we watched the second part of Amadeus first, and then we watched the first part, and it was like Quentin Tarantino. It was a Quentin Tarantino movie? Directs Mozart. Out of order? <laughs> and it was like some of it was made weirdly better <laughs> because it was like, oh, why did this? It was like an extra mystery. But weirdly better in the way of like you had more questions and then the next part answers them. Right. Just because you missed all of the <laughs> the, uh, the storytelling. Yeah. It's like if someone told you a punchline and you're like, what the fuck? And then they're like, okay, here's the setup though. And you're like, okay, I get it, but it's not as funny as if you would have just told me the setup first. all right let's try this out forky the pig and then the setup is uh what's my mean nickname for paul schaefer 
Did it I work? Take it back. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's try this one. I think he cooked her. <laughs> so the setup for this one was one time a drunk guy asked Armando and I if we know who John Benet Ramsey is. <laughs> <laughs> And Armando said, isn't that Gordon Ramsay's daughter? And then quietly followed it up with, I think he cooked her. <laughs> I forgot I did that. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about It's that. one of my favorite Armando moments ever. When and where was this? Uh, this was in Woodland Hills. Yeah. We did a show together. Yes. Uh, I don't, were you, was that, was she on the podcast? She was. Uh, fairly new to like it was you've been with us for a couple months i think we were i think that night we talked about making her a permanent part of the podcast yeah 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 yeah. it was strange i fall in love with you more and more (laughs) with every disgusting and terrifying thing that comes out of your mouth (laughs) um what was real funny what was real funny was i scream laughed and scared the drunk guy away that was fine. He was really annoying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Drunk people at comedy shows are never fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, we did. Andre and I did a, a show. We did a comedy show recently. Uh, the, at a, the show was themed after a speakeasy. Okay. Because it's a secret location and you need a password to get in. Great. When we show up there, uh, all of the comedians are dressed like comedians, which is to say... Flannel shirt, jeans, white t-shirt. Basically. Yeah. No one's wearing anything fancy. The audience was dressed in time appropriate, (laughs) like, suits and flappers gear. I was also dressed cute as fuck because girls dress up. I love dressing up. She was. She was dressed very nicely, but there was women who had did their hair in flapper style. Like waves. Yeah. Oh, shit. It was crazy. So then the funniest part, too... Really quick, is that uh, whenever you would walk up to the door guy who was dressed like a Newsies, you would be like maybe a foot away from him and he would yell, Welcome to the Speakeasy! <laughs> as loudly as possible. What's the password? And I was like, That is not time accurate. <laughs> it's a Speakeasy. You're supposed yeah. to whisper. And so the, uh, the, yeah, you literally, whispering is speaking easy, but, uh, the password was I need to talk to Charlie Chaplin. And some people would walk up and just say Charlie Chaplin. And he'd be like, that's not the password. And they'd be like, let me into the fucking comedy show, you <laughs> idiot. Anyway, so it was just a bunch of, it was a weird but oddly great Super show. Super fun show. Nice. And afterwards, uh, this guy who told us that he got fired as a park ranger <laughs> and was now working at a Lowe's. Because uh, Lowe's doesn't have cows that can file sexual harassment complaints. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a really. This is a guy who told me that uh, that he his priorities was metal first, Applebee's second. <laughs> that sounds. This sounds like a joke. It's not. That is an action. But he doesn't even work at Applebee's. Why no. is Applebee's a thing? Because Applebee's is his favorite bar to drink at. Is it because they have dollar margaritas? Oh my Possibly. god, I want to go to Applebee's right now. Here's we have the to thing, wait though. for Paige's dad. Here's the thing, They're going to be in San Diego. I can't wait. Uh, here's the thing. He's very nice. But this thing happens when I'm a lady is that men 
I it's it creeps me out like men want to hang out too long and I don't like it and so for a while it was like me and Armando and another comic and then that comic left and then Armando's like oh I gotta I'll be right back and he just left me no alone with this man I went to go grab my jacket and somebody stopped me to take a photo and then somebody else went oh you're taking photos see and I was like I was also kind of drunk. Somebody in a in a in a three piece suit offered me whiskey out of a jug that had three X's written on it, and I was like, "Well, it is illegal." <laughs> when in Rome, <laughs> but yeah, he was a very nice man. But I just like I don't like being left with men that I don't know. Yeah, it makes yeah, me really yeah. uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and so I was just like, "Who the government fired?" <laughs> I just want to make that uber duper clear. And whose favorite restaurant is Applebee's. <laughs> There's so many other restaurants. Like, Applebee's not bad, but, like, you have so many choices. Also, he didn't say that Applebee's was his favorite restaurant. Just he didn't his bar. mention the f- food at all. He said Applebee's is his favorite bar. And the reason he knew that that comedy show was happening was because the host is a bartender at Applebee's. And he came to support his bartender's comedy show. No. No. Armando left me alone with this man! The state was right to fire this man. (laughs) He did did talk about... uh, He was like, yeah, they cut the funding to the National Park Service. And as soon as he said that, I was like, well, hey, man, Open Sky's Trading Company. It was a very... such an odd day for us we that same day this might be tmi but that same day we we both felt like we got food poisoning we super got food poisoning and we were the clam chowder we were trying to figure out what it was that did it to us and we were like well we ate pretty well i mean for breakfast we had taco bell for lunch we had clam chowder (laughs) is that like a recipe for diarrhea and then for dinner two gorditas and then for dinner we had sandwiches at an open house that had been sitting out for at least seven hours oh yeah yeah. Oh, man. So we were looking at all the choices we made, thinking, which one of these possibly... <laughs> all of them. Yeah. All of them. I'm turning into Armando. Is the long of the show of this? <laughs> we, we both... I'm so glad they had two restrooms, because we both, at the same place, I think our combined poop total was five poops. Jeez. This is TMI. We should cut this out. I don't feel nah. comfortable out Women don't it. poop. What are you talking about? Yeah, I pooped five times. Damn. No, I pooped three but times. But yeah, if you want to support the National Park Service and get people like this guy off the streets and back <laughs> into the parks where <laughs> they belong. Out of the Applebee's and into the ranger station. He was like, he was like I work at, what did he say, Sycamore? That, that's not a park, is it? Sequoia? Uh, maybe. This, I, Sequoia National Park? Yeah. I, I don't remember Sycamore. what. He said he worked at Sequoia National Park and then they fired him and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And he went, yeah. You paid to hike all day, and no one even knows if you drink. And I was like, okay, right. "Oh my god! All right! Oh my god!" He was such a yeah, metal first. Catch a bunch of dudes fucking in the bushes, and they're just having a good time. <laughs> Ask them if they want me to join in. Tell them I'm a kind of permanent uncle around. Here, oh no! Around these no. Okay, no. I feel anyway. like we really lambasted this poor man enough. He was very nice. I was just like, please don't leave me with straight dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to keep uh, monsters like him off the streets. And oh in, my God. Or start the, that over. <laughs> no. If you want to keep these bastards out of the Applebee's of America. 
Is that also bad? If you want to keep also loud me. townies out of your Applebee's, <laughs> don't go to Applebee's or fund the national parks. Fun fact, at Applebee's, they don't give you forks anymore because too many of their customers poke their fucking eye out. Um, I was trying to untie this mozzarella stick. These deals are crazy. Ah! <laughs> Why are there so many eye patches? There's like it's, a one eye patch per French onion soup minimum. <laughs> it's like it's like Unchien and Lu, but with forks. <laughs> oh, that's a joke that only you and I are going to get. <laughs> and maybe one other person. Art yeah. school, baby. If you want to keep these assholes off the streets and in the <laughs> national parks, I used did a fine job, but I'm sure. But uh, where else is he going to go? A bowling alley on a weekday? <laughs> Come on. Those were, I think those were his next plans. I think he was trying to get us all to go to Applebee's, and I left the conversation, so I don't know. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, yeah, national parks need your funding because these are the people who choose to work there. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're all great. And if you work at a national park, thank you and I love you. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, sorry I get forgetting weird there. Uh, Open Skies Training Company is a great company that works to help our national parks. For every purchase you make uh, of their great stuff like shirts, posters, dog collars, other accessories, um, they will donate $1 to the National Parks Foundation, which uh, is good for, I think, one margarita at Applebee's. I think that's the... <laughs> that's not... I heard rumors of dollar margaritas. Mm, mm, mm. If they are, I have to go to Applebee's now. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Open Skies Trading Company is great. Check them out. They're on OpenSkiesTrading.com, or you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Open Skies Trading Co. That's Open Skies Trading C-O. Nextly, hey everyone, we're doing another live show. <laughs> yes, our live show in San Diego is coming up, I believe, next Saturday at this point when this episode comes out. Yeah. June 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on June 29th, which is a Saturday at 7.30 p.m. at the Comedy Palace in San Diego, California. Please come, eat their delicious Greek food, give us hugs, and see our brand new shirt. Yes. They're so cool. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to wear them. We don't get them till like the day before, so yes. I'm just like, I want to wear it. We got vintage shirts for you guys. Uh, they will be debuting. At our live show? Vintage as in, like, vintage as in the style. We didn't, like, go to a Goodwill and then just, like, Sharpie marker our name across shirts. We got a bunch of shirts from some defunct company called Colonia Dickney Dad. <laughs> no! I just realized these shirts will look really cute with this maroon skirt that I have, so I can actually wear it and still be in a dress. Yeah. Yes. Oh, nice. I'm super excited. Yeah, they're really cool shirts. I spent a lot of time designing them, and we worked with uh, actually a local printer. We're not going through a big boy, big box printer service. We're going through local printers in San Diego known as T-Shirt Mart, which if some of you might know, I don't know if I said it on the show yet, I used to work there. That was my first job. I started working there, uh, smoked weed all the time, and sold shirts to tourists. That was my job. And now they're printing the shirts for the podcast that we host, where I smoke a bunch of weed and yell at about tourism. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, the shirts are super cool. The show is going to be awesome. Tickets are going to be $10 or $15 at the door. You can find tickets at cultpodcastshow.com slash San Diego or cultpodcastshow.com. And then head over to the shows tab. Yeah, I'm excited. 
I am too. And those shirts, uh, like I said, they'll be debuting at our live show, and then eventually we'll have them for sale on our website, and we will for sure keep you guys posted on when that pops up. <sighs> now, if you want, if you love me or hate, if you, <laughs> bro, if you want to take it, if you want to take this to an Applebee's. Uh, get at me. My Instagram and Twitter is at Applebee's Dude forty twenty sixty nine forty twenty. Yeah, because that's the age of my girlfriend. Ooh! <laughs> if you average those numbers, that is accurate. <laughs> my uh, Instagram and Twitter is at Mondo Does Stuff, or you can go to my website for my show dates. That's Mondo Does Stuff dot com. M A N D O does stuff all one word i want to know if you would have an eye patch or a glass eye and your favorite made up applebee's foods i want you to make up something that sounds like applebee's would serve it and send it to me at page wesley on twitter or at rampage wesley on instagram also bonus points if you have a fake eye what color you make in the eyeball yes yeah i really want to know or if you have an eye patch what in lo- what logo or insignia are you putting on that bad boy? Oh yes! So I, get at us. I really feel that anytime you lose an appendage, it's an opportunity to bring robotics and new technology in. <laughs> yeah, now, not back then. That's how Terminator happens. I know. Nazinator. Nazi Terminator. <laughs> anyway, I think that's just regular Terminator because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Hey guys, uh, if you want to send me Jurassic Park fan fiction, and not just because I look like the little girl from Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh my god, you do! How have I never noticed this? There are photos of me in khaki shorts that are very accurate representations of me as a little girl from Jurassic Park. I posted a side-by-side once of a throwback Thursday of the girl from Jurassic Park and me holding an alligator and... Got so many messages asking if that was actually me. You should just lie because now you have a credit. <laughs> I should have. It was really fun. It's hilarious. So if you have any Jurassic Park fan fiction you want to send me or any of your glittered gators, uh, please send them to all the things at Sundress Comic. Or if you want to check out my paintings, you can check them out at Andrea Gazetta. I also have a website, andreagazetta.com, and a bunch of my paintings came back, and they're for sale there if you want to check them out. Do it. Okay, bye. Bye. Yeah, she's also going to have a couple of uh, stickers, I believe, and other products that go up. Yeah, I should put those stickers. I made stickers with skulls and hearts for some reason. They're awesome. Bring them to the live show. They're they're holographic, so I was like, these are cool. They're fucking awesome. Maybe I'll put those for sale. They're super dope. They're pretty fun. Uh, Yeah, also, um, you should Definitely send Andrea a glitter pink eye patch with a unicorn on it. I want a unicorn eye patch so bad. <laughs> I will wear it at the live show. Now, I promise. is that an eye patch that has a picture of a unicorn on it or a regular glitter eye patch that has a horn sticking out of the strap? No, it's just a normal eye patch. And when people go, what happened? You go, unicorn fight. <laughs> <laughs> Michael um, Vick has really stepped his game up. Oh my god. The victor. He's doing unicorn fights outside of the Applebee's on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I just imagine the victor, it's a unicorn, and its horn is just pierced with eyeballs. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, 
if you send us Jurassic Park fan fiction, we will read it on the show. Yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. You have to write it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that'd be kind of perfect, because Jake wants to come on a bonus episode. That would be perfect. That'd be absolutely. You can send that to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com, along with any other crazy bullshit you could think of. Or cultpodcastshow on Twitter. You can also shoot it over on Instagram, where you can also follow us at cultpodcast. You can also come on over to our website, www.cultpodcastshow.com. That's also where all our show info is. And if you want to send us eye patches or eyeballs, glass eyes, um, forks, you can send those to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like Like the the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And... For this one, I'm going to say don't drink the eyeball juice. Oh, God. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Y'all trying to get fucked up at an Applebee's? (laughs) (laughs) Hide the forks.